Welcome to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen and you're very welcome back to the second episode in a series of podcasts which are aimed at the SME and startup market. Today's subject is finance um, and I'm delighted to bring you a recording of a conversation that I had last week with um, a guy called Connor Devine. Connor is one of the partners behind GDP Partnership, a Belfast-based commercial finance house, um, specialised in a variety of different aspects of finance, ranging from um, sort of guy if you want to go to if you want to find some money to invest in the business. He's also the go-to guy and one of the leading experts in debt negotiation in Northern Ireland. And they have clients across the two islands and business interests and in as far uh, reaching as the USA. And um, importantly, Connor's a startup guy himself. He has set up a number of businesses. He has uh, an excellent track record in property management and he has taken those skills into the GDP partnership. If you want to reach out to Connor, um, you should check out gdpni.com. Um, so I hope you enjoy this a particular episode. Connor goes into some detail on um, do's and don'ts in finance. Um, he puts the question out there that a lot of people don't really fully understand money or finance and it's that weakness that gets their business and themselves into trouble but connor also gives you some indications of what to do to get out of that and makes some very very cogent recommendations um during the next 55 minutes or so so i hope you enjoy um this episode of um the big business ideas for smes and startups my name is paul McAnallen. you can get me at shift-control.co.uk or on twitter at shift control 66 and i really hope you enjoy the next episode so thank you and see you soon so um good afternoon um welcome to gdp towers 11th floor connor gdp towers belfast city center yes no better man no better place and a fantastic view over the city um so this episode of the um big ideas for smes and startups is going to focus on um, money and finance and a, something that I didn't really get a good grounding in when I set up my business 11 years ago. Um, Connor, before we go uh, further, just give everybody a rundown on who you are and what you do. Okay, Paul, first, firstly, thanks very much for the opportunity to come on to your podcast and share with people some of uh, my ideas and, and let the end of my world for, for a short period of time. Uh, originally from Cookstown, I um, studied real estate in university at the University of Ulster um, and developed a passion for property and ultimately I got my degree then. I did the uh, obligatory couple of years of travelling in Australia and America playing a bit of football um, and whenever I left university I've always had this real appetite to do well and uh, inbuilt desire um, to, to try and always better myself. and. I think that came from maybe the first year or two in university when I was sort of skint, I didn't have any money. And, you know, anybody who doesn't have any money, um, it's not really a nice place to be. So I decided some around about that time that I, that I wasn't going to be skint again, so I decided to work really, really hard. I came home from Australia and um, started in private practice in Belfast City Centre with Oldborn King in property. And subsequently, about two years later, I got chartered. So one of the best things probably I've done, and I try and encourage people to do, is, is you know, uh, become a professional, become an expert um, in what you do. 
and certainly by becoming a chartered surveyor that gave me an international passport to to the profession where I can take this thing anywhere, which was and still is like a form of currency. So you know, I I I was very fortunate at that time, which was about two thousand and six. Um, we were in Ireland, obviously at the time I was working in Belfast, and the property market was going crazy. It was the Celtic Tiger, and you know we were selling land and property, uh, very very easy. It was a great time, great experience, very hungry industry, and that's whenever I cut my teeth. Um, I then was headhunted and became a director at 28 of uh, the most successful practice in the north in BTW Shields. I had five years there, spent a great time with a lot of great people, learned lots of stuff from, from some very successful businessmen. And then about 2010, I, I decided to take the big step into the big bad world and, and set up my own practice with uh, a friend of mine. And uh, I suppose we're getting into the sixth year now. We're, we're sitting in uh, our own building in the city centre um, with a robust enough business. Um, and we're talking to you. So that, that's sort of been my pathway over the last, you know, probably, you know, 13, 14 years where I've spent all of that time growing and learning. And, and, but I've always had this desire and ambition to, to help, uh, I suppose, people, because I know if you help people, you've, you've got the bones of a business, and just to personally do well. And, and this, this idea of personal growth and personal development is something that sits within my own DNA. Um, so that's sort of a, a, a snapshot in a couple of minutes of, of where I, and what I've been up to in the last way. Okay, good man. Um, just to augment that, uh, for those of you who don't know Connor, Connor has a variety of different things going on in his life, all of which he's fairly successful at. Um, it would include, with Envy, his, uh, he does a bit of Ironman stuff. Um, which requires a lot of focus and dedication. So I'd like to get talking to him again about that sort of stuff. Um, in this show, I really want to talk about finance, Connor, because we have talked about it quite a bit. And one of the things that you've said to me um, with a fair degree of conviction is that people don't understand money. And I would have to put the hand up and say, okay, well, I'm certainly in that group, but I know a lot of other people are. In the context of setting up a business, what, what did you do when you set up? So you were a director at BTW Shields, and as you said, you hand back the keys to the car and you hand back the company credit card and you go out on your own. What, what financial support did you have for that? Well, before I'll, I'll answer that, I'll, I'll go at that question a different way. And I'll, um, I'll start out by saying, you know, we're all really conditioned through our schooling system here to, you know, go, you know, go to school, go to university, do well, you know, get your exams and then go out and work for a big company and you know knock your pan in and make your bosses loads of money like that's sort of the the natural progression of, of the world we live in today and in university and the real estate degree and all of the degrees were we certainly weren't um taught or given any understanding of money and finance and and that's consistent across the the, the university pathways that they, they just don't really get into it um and you know so and to so what I have been doing in the last three or four years is I'm actually going back into university into the same real estate course that I sat in the same rooms and I'm actually educating these people around money and finance. And this is a whole new world for me. Um, and over the last five years with, with the GDP business that we have, I've become to understand that most people you meet in life today are more or less financially illiterate. Um, you've got the accountants who have a, a fair understanding of money and finance. And, and that's why if you really drill underneath a lot of these companies, 
and a lot of the, the top guys in the world have come from an accountancy background. Um, that's great for them, but you know everyone else I think needs needs to uh, start um, getting interested in this space um, if they want to uh, do exceptionally well for themselves. So moving on to your question directly, you know I, I personally um, I'm an SME. You know I started out on my own in 2010. I was I was 34, 33 years of age. I was actually coming off, I was in the middle of a, a very debilitating illness and multiple sclerosis and the property market at that time was at an all-time low. Um, so the thing you sort of wouldn't want to be doing, which, which I actually did do, was you wouldn't want to be you know, handing your notice to a good enough job, a very, what they call, safe jobs. I don't think there are any safe jobs out there. We all know that we're three paychecks away from being homeless and that's probably near enough but I didn't have any money but I had this desire for about 18 months before I left BTW to work on my own and try and create a business and and try and um, you know get out there and have a go myself so and there's different types of industries and different types of businesses and and for me personally a very quick overview of how I did it um, I had a very small amount of money um, maybe about 10 grand um, saved up but what I didn't have in money I made up for in, in the plan and my business plan and what I what I have been good at over the last 15 years and I've, I've learned this off a lot of good people that I work with is that I've got I'm quite good at getting to know people and my communication skills are quite good and I had built up a fairly uh, good level of relationships with a number of parties who I was hedging on that whenever I went out on my own that they would give me some business. So although I hadn't got 50 grand in the bank or 25 grand in the bank or 100 grand in the bank, for me pers personally setting up our own business, you know, I knew that I, I could rely on the good work that I had done over the last 10 years that if I went to these guys, I had built up that relationship and trust, which, which is underpins any business. If you don't have a relationship and trust in any of your businesses, you don't have a business. So again, that's like a form of currency and that was worth more to me if I had 50 grand or say 150,000 pound in the bank and I invested into starting up this business, but I had no business plan, I had no trust, no relationships, then over probably the next two years, that business would wind up and, and, mm -hmm. and not get anywhere. So for me, I had a small amount of money and I know a lot of people do it this way, which, which was enough for me to fit out my office and to buy some stuff and really to, you know, talk me out. And then I went about uh, wearing the shoe leather um, executing my business plan which was to try and you know qualify and get a number of clients on board and ultimately try and do 100 grand turnover in that first year and and thankfully for me I was able to um, carry through that plan and and I did I, I exceeded the 100 grand in the first year um, which 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 was good going but it was something that I had been planning for a long time and and I, I think what what really separates probably people um, you know who do go out on their own and do have, do have the, the grit and determination to do this is that you know they have actually the balls to do it because most people have an idea of working for themselves and they, they, they'd like to do their own thing but whenever you know it comes down to it the majority of people simply choose this so-called safety net and, and and don't have for whatever reason don't have the um, the desire or, or the balls if you want to be crude to actually make the jump and it's the difference for me it's a, it's it's you're at the t-junction the end the other 
go through the next 10 or 15 years, the, the choice for me was go through the next 10 or 15 years doing okay in the industry and the, the company you're with and be miserable or to take a chance and, and have a real go. And thankfully, six years into the, the program, you know, I'm, I'm delighted, obviously, that, that we made the jump and, and I formed a relationship with, with James and, and we've grown our own business. But that's sort of a snapshot into, into my, how I sort of went about set, setting up our SME. Um, so one of the, just on that, so one of the things that um, is important for whoever's listening is that, um, you know, it's really certain things that are in... I talk about SMEs and startups, and I'm not talking about tech startups. I'm just talking about anybody who starts up a business. And there are certain things that you need to have whenever you're starting up. You need to have around you a good team. And in Connor's case, and certainly in my case, it was a team of one. You need to have a lot of conviction in your own desire, not ability, but your desire, because with a great ability and no desire becomes nothing, I think. I think you need to have a desire and class word you used earlier, Connor, which is grit or the resilience to it. But some people that are listening are looking to set up um, a tech startup so they're working in an environment where they're employing 15 or 16 people so team is really important the product is really important and the market and the understanding and the knowledge of the market is really important and they all kind of dovetail in really nicely together but come back to what you said Connor like and I remember as well and we both kind of passed through a similar schooling if not the same school the focus on finance was only in math you know economics classes and even in university, and certainly whenever I went to, to college, you, finance and how to get finance, how to manage finance, um, understanding understanding it thoroughly is the most important thing that you need in a business. And it's not taught. Yeah, and, and, and most people, you know, the thing about, you know, like this, we're all guilty of this, but, you know, you're sitting having a pint of Guinness and you're going, you know what, I, I, I'm going to set up my own business. I've got a great idea. You know, I'm going to go out on my own, and you know you begrudgingly have to then get an accountant involved because you have to set up possibly a limited company, or you're going to be a sole trader, and and you go to that meeting with your accountant, and you sort of look at him, and you're probably not even listening to half the thing he's saying, and you're you're just hoping to get out of there, you know, as quickly as possible, and you know that he doesn't stick the arm in you for the for the bill, because all you're really focused on is getting this business up and running, and like I I see this time and time again over the last five years I'm working with. You know, hundreds of different businesses, people who are just starting out to people who are hugely successful and extremely wealthy. And the common denominator most amongst most of them is that they're this this you know they're all, they they don't have this understanding of money and finance that that they really should have if you're going to set up a business. You know, I I, I met someone last week who's been trading um, as a sole trader um, for the last five odd years. And he's not sure whether he should be a limited company or or, or or sole trader. And, you know, that's not an unnormal situation. There's people out there working as taxi drivers, as joiners and pastors and all the rest of them. It's just, it's just, it comes down to, you know, what I say to people, you know, you have to uh, apply yourself and you have to have a business plan. What's your unique selling point? You know, unless you're solving a problem in business, for me, you shouldn't be in the business. Um, and then a massive part of this is, you know how you want to structure yourself and how much money do you reckon you're going to make in the first year you should always work off a, at least 12 month business plan five ten year business plans for me are a complete waste of time three years yes but focus in your first 12 months and then after 12 months nine months into that journey you'll sort of have an understanding in terms of your income and, and that type of thing and 
And probably the best way, if you've got an idea to set up your own business, is what I tend to do is to, to find someone who's, who's been very successful or done quite well, who will you know, show you the ropes and keep you right and take advice. Um, and that's really key, especially for startups and SMEs who are thinking about coming out on their own. You know, there's probably a six-month period before you should even consider it where you're just meeting people. You're just asking them, running your idea past them. What do you think? Have you an accountant I should speak to? Is he any good? Is he expensive? You know, and then don't don't be don't be choosing your professional team based on money, because if that guy is is the cheapest guy in the marketplace, ask yourself why. Why is he the cheapest guy? You may be better off paying seven hundred and fifty quid for advice, as opposed to paying somebody two hundred and fifty quid for the wrong advice, and your fifteen months. You know, your business is wound up and you have no plans. Because that, that's a, an interesting point. The week that we've just come out of, maybe the fortnight we've just come out of here with the Panama Papers, um, where those people who can afford the very best advice are able to throw some chump change away and nobody knows about it and washes his hands and comes back in a different colour and a different quantity and everything else. So if you think about it logically, you kind of pay for what you get, but, but the important thing is to ask for advice, to know you need help. That's the important thing. How you go about finding it is, is up for discussion, but ultimately you need to know that I, if I don't know my finance, if I'm financially illiterate, which most people are, and I, I certainly am, you need to get a good accountant. Well, well I, would, I would agree with that. And, and most people definitely are financially illiterate, and that's, that's a shame. Um, it, but it's just, it's just what we've seen in the last five years, I'm happy enough to stand over that. And they rely so much on their accountant. But you should never rely on your accountant, and you should never go to an accountant's meeting and leave that meeting or leave any meeting, no matter whether it's an accountant or an estate agent or, or, or any sort of business meeting, not completely understanding what was discussed at the meeting. And this is another problem. So pull, push that out a bit further because so finding an accountant that you can trust is one thing and typically that will come from two or three of your nearest, uh, be it friends or family, or as you say, go and search and ask and ask questions. So you find the accountant you just can't sit back and assume that the accountant is... You can't just head, nod and walk out. You no, have to ask no, no. questions. No, yeah. You, you know, I've... since I don't know where I got this from, but I've always been more than happy to ask a silly question. And I'll ask it twice. Yeah. You know, in university, you know, excuse me, what, what, what do you actually mean by that? Whereas other people are sitting there not knowing what it means and not asking. Yeah. Text me and I see that now at a professional level over the last 10 years in Belfast where I'm sitting in different meetings... And somebody's maybe talking too fast or maybe the room, he doesn't have the room. And what's your man talking about? But I would always and would always encourage the staff and the team, if you're not sure, ask the question. And put whoever it is over it again and again and again until you completely understand it and then you're right, okay. Because that's what you're paying them ultimately. 100%. Yeah. So, so, but, so, so say right, you've, you've got your accountant, you've got somebody that you feel that there's a degree of trust in and, and that's good. So... Um, it's not easy to get, you know, I'm only guessing from the landscape, the, the business landscape across the island of Ireland, never mind in the north. But getting money is not easy at the minute. So if you were setting up a business right now, what alternatives do you have? Uh, so not just as a single trader, maybe like yourself or a partnership with James or somebody like myself who doesn't have a great overhead who could work from the back of a car. Some engineering company in Tyrone is deciding to break away from Terex be the 157th company in Tyrone that specialises in engineering and they need 100 grand to start off mm -hmm. where do you go? I think I think the real issue at the minute is if you're if you're if you have a great idea and um, 
you want to start a new business and you're 110% confident that you can make a go of this. No matter how good your business plan is, you know, where's your, your traditional lenders? It's, it's our banks. And the, the challenge of the last number of years is that our banks are, are, as a business, our banks are really struggling. And it's only in the last 18 months that our banks are, are trying to get healthy again and their balance sheets are starting to repair. But the issue is that banks and, and most funders won't back someone a new startup company like you know it's you know it's just too risky you know um, and, and I was there because I was in all of the banks in 2010 asking for you know we get nothing we didn't you don't get an overdraft you don't get a business loan you get absolutely nothing and in that scenario um, I was able to save a certain amount of money and for somebody like a one-man band or loan would for a couple of people that's that's maybe not such a, a big hurdle to overcome to answer your question if you need a hundred grand to get going to put into capital or whatever it is, that's extremely difficult. And what most people are doing at the minute is, you know, their family or friends is investing money into the business, which is giving somebody a foot up, or you're bringing an investor in. Mm-hmm. And if you're bringing an investor in, obviously you have to have a business plan and you have to pitch to. So like I'm, I'm pitching all my life. I've been pitching, you know, since I've no age for everything. So I'm just used to that now. Mm-hmm. But that's something. That's something that you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with. And again, if you're uncomfortable, if you know you need 100 grand and you've got a good idea and you've got a, a view or a bit of a plan in your head of how this will work, then if you know you're crap at pitching, which most people are, then find that person who inspires you or motivates you or who interests you and run past, run your idea past them. You may ask them who's the best accountant and you might say, how do I go about this? And that particular person or group of people might help you with your pitch, with your business plan, and might point you in the direction of an investor. I mean, I mean, at the at the minute, the, for new startups, there is some funding out there available. Um, but if it's a totally fresh company, it's it's more more going to come from some form of private investor who's going to put in a hundred grand, and he's going to want likely a return on his money and an equity stake in your business. So even if you were just trying to put in there, so even if I was sitting now and I wanted to. Uh, set up a coffee shop or something like that on the Ormo Road and I had a house and I went to the bank and I said look throw that house into the mixer or I'd like get some money out in the back of that house to set up a coffee shop you would need you know right so coffee's a big thing at the minute it's liquid gold okay so coffee's a big thing you could arguably say a saturated you could arguably say no it's not there are coffee shops pointing up and down you could put a good a robust uh, business case and a fairly decent market plan to say yeah there's a market for this coffee product's good um, team's good and going to bring in some of the best baristas I'm going to be there just to make sure it happens what would stop the bank from saying either you go Paul there's 100 grand in your house well the first thing the bank would say is so what, what, what's, the difference, what's the difference between you and everybody else and you'd say well um, I'm going to make the best coffee in Belfast and that's a subjective thing that, that, that's mm-hmm. what you believe so in terms of opening up a coffee shop and going in and asking the bank for 100 grand I'd say that they, they escort you to the door um, and, and they might get boys and white coats to take you away because there's no USP there at all. There's coffee shops in every corner, street, street corner at the minute. So I just don't see them buying into that for a new start. If you're looking to set up a coffee shop, which I'm not saying isn't a, a good opportunity, um, for me personally, unless you're, you're doing something different uh, within the model and there was a franchise angle to it or whatever, um, it's likely that you're going to have to have that money yourself, the hundred grand yourself, or you're going to have to bring in an investor. He, you might not have any dough, but your best mate might have a few pounds or somebody you know might be um, fairly, fairly wealthy 
and they're looking for an investment opportunity. But that's probably going to have to come from your own equity. Banks aren't going to be lending people fifty hundred grand to open up a coffee shop. That's just not going to happen, in my view. So, so you were sitting in a in a parish where sixty seven pence out of every pound is public sector. And there are going to be a raft of redundancies at some point. They're going to be they're going to try and reduce the number of people working in the public sector and trying to ensure that less and less reliance on that. So you've got guys taking early redundancy. You've got guys deciding to switch. You've got kids going through university now who are deciding that you know back in the parents' day the civil service was a great safe option for them. It's not now safe. So how how when you spread this conversation out a little bit, how does the picture look for? the private sector when it's hard to raise money for a good idea or even a bad idea or a brilliant idea and if you're going to go to family and family are going to be cautious given the the, the state of the you know banks are been very hard to lend money on so your family are going to be a family should be a wiser banker than the bank should be because there's no point in loaning it to your son or daughter because it's your son and daughter the idea has to be right Mm-hmm. What 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 is the the hope for a pri- private sector in the north if uh, you know it's that difficult because that sounds very difficult to get money right yeah well it, it it is difficult to get money but I think you've touched on something which is the I suppose the um, which underpins the whole investment market the the, what, the conversation you're just starting here um. Uh, and this is really where it's all at. This is really where, where business is at. So I, I see people all the time who, you know, they're looking to set up their own landscape gardening business or they're looking to set up their own taxi business. And, you know, so somebody needs 100 grand or 250,000, you know, investment to, to kick the thing on or whatever. And they've got this great idea and, and, and they've got this great business plan and, you know, we're going to make all this money and, you know, so you're sort of looking at it. So any savvy investor, there's two things involved. So any savvy investor will, will give you a hearing. You know, they'll look at your business plan. Well, that's fascinating. That's very great, very interesting. The model looks good. Yeah, that, that, that may be the chance. But ultimately, it's going to come down to you're not investing in the business. And this is really where it's all at. You're investing on you, the person. The team, the people behind the idea. The person. Yeah. yeah. This is where all of this is at. Yeah. I mean, I raised um, a quarter of a million pound for a healthy energy company, a healthy energy drink. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good your idea is, it doesn't matter how good your product is, it always comes down, as an investor, which I am as well, uh, I'm looking at the person. What's behind the person? What's his work ethic like? What's his desire like? What skill set has he got? Has he mastered anything? You know, is he a chartered surveyor? Is he a professional in his field? Or is he someone who's got a great idea, but no work ethic? That's not going to work. You know, that's where it's all at. And um, for me... I see people, I've, I, I could name you 10 people who have great ideas, but you wouldn't invest in them. Because, mm. you know, we've all got good ideas. They're called pipe dreams, where you sit in the car and like pipe and go, you know, I could solve or, you know, I could solve that problem. But there's no follow through. Yeah. Um, and there's a, so, so it's, the first thing I would always do uh, as an investor is look, you're analyzing the person who you're talking to. So this is, um, you know, if you're, if you're still with us, 25 minutes in here, I'm with Connor um, Devine. Uh, Connor is a, uh, a partner in a business that has multi, a multi-stranded business, um, all finance-based. Um, uh, and I'm going to stop or to slow the whole thing down there because it's really, really important that we start off talking about finance, yet it really does come back to, to um, uh, 
competence and confidence in people, right? So you're talking about the person coming in with an idea and they look like they are competent with the idea, but they're also confident with that idea. And it all does go back to people. And that's another skill set that I don't see any of the schools or universities that I've ever attended been able to say to you, this is how you do a pitch. This is how you sell. This is how, you know, whether the schools are, I know STEM and STEAM subjects have changed that landscape now, but back in my day, it was like, you're going to be a doctor, a dentist, a pharmacist, a lawyer, an accountant and all that. That's great. And maybe in your day, it was property management and everything else and media studies. But the bottom line is there are certain skills and traits that, that are, you know, they cross generations and they cross businesses. And, and here we find ourselves again, talking about the ability to communicate and to be understood and to create confidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, 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 is, it is a very complex area because everybody knows that at some point in time in their life after school, they're going to have to work and make a living and that's whenever the thing starts to get a wee bit serious. And I think the problem that I find with most people is that, you know, they're not absolutely passionate about their job or about their work. And... That's that will never uh, generate success in their own lives. It'll not it'll not create a successful environment. It'll not create a successful business. And it's taken me a long time to work this out. But unless you're absolutely passionate and love what you do, you know Jim Rohn says this: love what you do. Um, you never have to work another day in your life. And that's absolutely true, because you know I'll give you an example where a young guy from Northern Ireland who um, spent seven years to train as an accountant. And he was in Manchester, and he had this. He was, he was always ringing me, sort of every four or five months. I would say, "How are you getting on?" He said, "I hate the accountancy work. I just, it's just, I'd love to do property, and I'm just fed up with this. I don't like it." And and there's loads of people like that where they're in, they go into their jobs and nine to five, and they do their work and they go home, and they're miserable. And it's bad enough being miserable, but you're making everybody else miserable around you. So you know, th- th- this is the point. Yeah. So I I said to this chap, "Look, why don't you do some sort of a sandwich property course in university?" It'll only take you a couple of years. You're 27 or whatever it is. You'll be 29 when it's done. You'll have a job when you're 30. You're only starting out. You know, if that's what you really want to do, why don't you do it? That's what he did. And this guy then uh, turned it around in two years, knocked it out of the park, ended up getting a job in Savills in Dublin. He's worked in Savills for the last three years and he's now set up his own real estate consultancy advisory, started the practice. And this guy's from the north. And that's someone who just needed a wee bit of a push, but he now loves the industry, he loves what he's doing. It goes for anybody, you know. I know something, um, I know, you know, people close to me who aren't happy in their jobs and they want to do something else. And I've tried to say to them, well, focus in, find out what you're actually absolutely passionate about and then go and do that. That's what you want to find, totally. find a space in that. Because if you're not in that space, you know, they, I'd love to know what the maths in this are, but I would imagine at least fifty percent of people who are in jobs today aren't happy in the jobs they're in. I'd say it's a lot higher than that. I think it has to be higher than that. It's a lot it's higher. I'm fortunate enough in that we're in an industry that you know I love my job, I'm passionate about my work, and you know we've been able to, I've been able to monetize something that I love doing, and that's again where it all boils down to: find out, find a space where you're good at, that you're passionate about, and then work out how you actually want to monetize this and make a lot of money. Because it's an interesting point. There's a lot of people talk about, you know, business is a lifestyle or a lifestyle business and I think they make they miss the point because liking doing something um, because it's easy. Some people will like doing it because it's easier than the job they were doing before. And, you know, it's that whole grit thing and, and 
finding something that you like, but trying to work really hard to make it make it um, to make it work for you, regardless of your circumstances. I I'm, I have no bother in saying that I, I got sacked from jobs, and I got made redundant from jobs, and I left jobs, and um, I kind of wish I was sacked in a few jobs earlier, or I wish I'd left a few jobs earlier because you need to make these decisions really quickly because there's nobody going to come along with that golden envelope like like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and say there you go. You have to really study the whole reason why you're setting up on your own because it's not a lifestyle. You could find yourself leaving your, a really safe job. Like BTW Shields would have been a hard job but a good job. Mm-hmm. And you're probably now working twice as hard for yourself as you were for them. Mm-hmm. But the goal is a greater one. But if you want to set up on your own because you think it's easier, you're mm-hmm. making a mistake. If you, if you want to set up on your own because you think it'll be looking cool or it'll be kind of a lifestyle thing, you're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think it doesn't matter. And, and I would say, going back to what you said, you're arguably going to struggle to get money and find an investor who's interested in subsidizing your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think with that most recent, your contribution there, you're moving into then a different area, which is really, really important. And it's something that I never, um, I suppose, understood or ventured into until probably about 2008 and it was uh, where a friend of mine said to me look have you ever heard of Napoleon Hill and have you ever heard of a book called Think and Grow Rich and I says no I haven't heard of Napoleon Hill and I haven't heard of that book but I got the book and I've been reading that book twice a year for the last eight years and this is really where it all boils down to and people might say what are you thinking you know you know rich and money it's not about money uh, it's rich in all the other things yeah. and money just happens to be a byproduct of all right. of that and there's 13 principles of success in there and for me personally I've learned to stop trying to reinvent the wheel if you're sitting there today as an SME or somebody who's working in a company and you're trying to do, you're thinking about setting up your own business you know you're not the first person ever to think that that business and, and commerce has been going for hundreds of years you know that's, that's the reality so don't try and do it all yourself and find I personally um, have always been interested in successful people because I wanted to understand and get into their psychological framework uh, to see how and what made them tick and, and how they became successful because I was hedging that if I understood how they became successful and what their psychological framework was I can maybe steal bits and pieces of that and that would help me develop but I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to chip in here just for the crack because I don't want uh, for those of you that are, are listening and thinking like, um, you know, this is a wee bit as the Americans call it woo woo, or as people from Toronto would say a load of shite. This is actually um, stuff that people like Da Vinci, you know, mastery. That whole subject of mastery, going from student to apprentice to mastery, that I think Robert Greene writes about so well, uses examples like Charles Darwin, and they use examples of of uh, Leonardo da Vinci who copied people around him who were good at what they did. And tried to go through, like you need to be a student of life, you need to study it and suck it up, there's no shortcut. And you need to, once you find that area that you want to focus on, then you try and find the best people around you to copy from them. You know, people have been doing this for centuries. And I'm, I'm jumping in now, I'll let Connor get back onto the book thing. Connor recommended the book to me and I've read it. And, you know, there are probably a few books out, this, this is, we'll put it like this, there's a reason why it's sold 15 million different copies and versions of it. You know, it's not... Uh, uh, it's not jump change like it's probably one of the best investments you're going to make if you're into that self improvement space which I wouldn't be a fan of necessarily but it's some it's some book for sure yeah well, well, well the, the other thing I would say in this is that you know running your own business and owning your own business is 
it can be good, um, but it also can be horrendous, and it can be a very depressing situation. And for those that aren't good at it, some people uh, it's a bit morbid, but have taken their own lives because their businesses haven't been successful. So it's a serious, it's a serious issue. And my point then is that a lot of people who have their own business shouldn't have their own business because they don't have the skill set or the leadership qualities or or whatever it takes to have that situation. They don't have that in their locker, and then you know. That's okay. I mean, not, the world wasn't designed for everybody owning their own business. But what I believe is that we should be we should be promoting more of an entrepreneurial spread in our curriculum and our schools, like they're doing in, in Australia with a friend of mine who's who's run the Kidpreneur programs where there's from six to eleven year olds every Sunday are selling goods and stuff at markets. You know, we need a more entrepreneurial spread being taught in our curriculums and our in our primary school system. And that I mean that hasn't even really started yet. But that's something that maybe when I'm a bit older, I'd like to, uh, to to try and dip into. Because I'm meeting people who do own their own business and unfortunately they're not like... Somebody said to me whenever we started our business, what you need to do is get the first three years over you. If you can get over that three-year um, bridge, then you should be fine. Because I think the reality is 70% of businesses fail within the first three years. So, so I, I can give you an example of that. Um... Shift Control was set up in 2005 and I went to start a business program in Dungannon and I was given £465 from the start a business program plan which I think barely covered business cards and everything else and uh, that kind of left, that was it for me. Um, nobody was around to say, right, after six months come and have a chat, after a year come and have a chat, pull your finances up the left I'm still with the Bank of Ireland um, when I set it up and um, I'd have to say they've been class to me. They've been really, really brilliant, but I haven't been overdrawn in 11 years and I've got an overdraft facility that if I went now, I wouldn't get an overdraft facility. They would just say, yeah, boy, keep it yeah. between the ditches, right? So I'm sitting there and thinking, you're saying that after you can survive three years, I survived probably, you, you, you set your business up on the cusp of the worst economic climate the world has ever seen. I went through that for about four or five years and, and I think I've survived it. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the definition of survival is. But there, you know, what we're talking about so far, you know, we say over here there's 67% public sector all around us there and they're happy there because it's a safety net over there. That safety net's going to go. But the incentive to jump and start your, your own after what we've talked for this first half an hour or so, you know, you need to be, you need to have some serious conviction and belief and confidence in what you're doing because it's a tough job. It's not easy. You're but saying there that you've seen people that but, you say should never have set up but, on their own. But, but, but we are a result of, our, of the environments we keep. And that's what I'm saying, the fundamental problem and how we're never going to change that, what you just said, unless... We address this in our curriculums and in our schools because if our children are growing up in an entrepreneurial environment where they're taught to do deals and taught to For sure. to, to cut deals in school and caught to be entrepreneurs and caught taught to be business people, you, then the environment as you're growing up, whenever you're ready to get into the workplace, you're gonna you're ready more. You're gonna be more ready. Whereas people go through the schooling system where I said we're conditioned to work hard, make your big company loads of money. And take the plug out of the wall at half five and go home. Mm. That's why we're, we're going to keep failing and failing and failing and failing and failing. So, it's, so it's a fundamental flaw in, in our curriculum that we're always going to create a group of people who want to have their own business but they're not tuned up and they don't have the right skill sets to carry them business models yeah. through. Of course, there's a lot of successful people, but if you look around the country today, 
and you look at the, the companies that are doing well, a lot of the a lot of the um the family businesses that are doing well in family business is a, is is sixty plus percent of the businesses across the thirty two counties of Ireland. But if you look at the, those families, you're normally got I can think of loads where the father has uh, has maybe you know built the company up and the young lad may have been at school, but he's working in the business mm. since he's no age and he's been learning the tools of the trade. He's been doing by default. You know, I grew up in a in a in a business where in a supermarket business. So I was I was doing at thirteen years of age. I was on the till and I was I was selling stuff and I was I was in that space where I had to think and mm. you know it was my dad's shop. But that I have no 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 doubt that that environment is all about your environment. Absolutely conditioned me then to you know get a feeling for money, profit. You know, bit of a deal. How are we going this week? You know, my dad are we up money? Are we down money? Do we lose money? You know, I know in that my dad had a very bad experience in that that business where this general manager who was one of the nicest guys in the world, you, you would nearly let him hear your your confession. Um, it, it turned out that this chap was stealing three grand a week of him. You know, that was a great lesson for me that I've never mm-hmm. forgot. Because I'm advising people all the time now who have cash businesses, pubs, restaurants, all sorts of stuff. And one of the first things I because one of the biggest weaknesses for humans and mankind has been around cash and money. You know, actually mm-hmm. handling money. Mm-hmm. And I say to people who have cash businesses going, you know, you go, that's your biggest challenge here because mm-hmm. you don't want any leakage. That's right. And, and, and the way you deal with that normally is you have to stand to tell yourself. And that's why people uh, are wrecked that they run these bars and these nightclubs and these shops that they never get a holiday and then have health problems because it's very, very hard to manage a cash business. So I, yeah, I had a, my father was the same thing. My father's running the shop in the morning and I'd worked in um, a whole bunch of, I never worked in the shop. He wouldn't let me near the, the, the flower, never mind the till. Um, but you didn't do I was doing that. <laughs> no, it was, I, I ended up working, the, my first experience in business was working in a bar. And uh, for me, the whole customer experience of trying to make sure that the person walked away by giving you money was smiling at the end of it. For me, that was the important thing because they'd come back. You know that was really number one. Like make sure you make sure and and you know the whole idea of working in a in the hospitality sector. I hope I hope some some people in Belfast are listening. You know, but it, it, uh, you can actually have a good laugh, enjoy yourself, and try and tackle women at the same time, and maybe make a bob or two for the boy that owns it instead of trying to look in the mirror all the time. So not pointed at anybody in particular. The national. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and and to go back on you then on your first first job. So my my first proper job. I was last lifting in the Glenavon Hotel. Across the road from me, we were getting six pound a night. That I worked three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I was lifting six pound a night cash, and I was lifting eighteen pound a night in tips. Yeah. So I was walking away twenty four quid. I was the richest man in the academy, and on the Monday morning, I nearly was pulling hundred pound a week out of the place. Uh, that and that and that is um we I know we're we're sort of kind of dovetailing a little bit. One of the things that this is all this is massively relevant uh, in my eyes, and the reason I say that is because I'm a student of marketing now for I don't know since I was 19, 18. All my life, everybody should be a student of marketing, they just don't realise that. And what I've noticed is that they every so often we change the terminology of things, we call certain things a different thing, but the whole concept of marketing going from 4Ps to 9Ps or 12Cs, whatever acronym you choose to use, the bottom line is you need to have something that people want to buy, needs to be priced properly and you need to work hard to do that. Um, to, you know, you may, need, need to make sure people want to come back. It's not that difficult, you know. Um, there's no point in reinventing the wheel, but but actually the one thing you probably do need to look at every so often is the finance and managing your finance and making sure cash is king and all that sort of stuff. If you were going to give advice to somebody now, so we'll try and give three or four takeaways so people listen to this, they can go, yeah, 
I can use it, I can use it, I can use that. What would you say to anybody in either a startup or as a SME right now about, about money, um, about managing their money? Um, what advice would you give? The three well, things that you've uh, learned, the three yeah. things that you see in your business. I, I think the money, the, the, the money thing is so simple to solve. This is the whole point. It's, it's so easy. You, know, you, you take counsel from two or three people who have been very successful. And you ask them, you know, who you should speak to. This is for SMEs and startups. Who, who should I speak to? I need to get to speak to an accountant. And I mean, that is that is that is a communication thing. So you know, don't uh, like pick somebody in the town that you live or somebody that you know who is very uh, very successful. And if you don't know them, speak to somebody who knows them and ask them for an introduction. You know, be ballsy. Go and ask that person. Look, I'm thinking of starting out on my own. Can I run the business plan past you? So whenever you're there asking them about the accountant, take the liberty of running your business plan past because people will appreciate that. You know, people, I, 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 I ask to meet people all the time. Um, not so much now with we're driving our own business, but whenever I was coming up through, I was always fascinated by people and, you know, I would have emailed them, I would have phoned them and tried to meet them just, just to see how, how, how they get through and, 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 and spend some time with them. But, so and just, and just, just to jump into that one there, right, if, if you're... If you're setting up a business or you're in business and you struggle to communicate with your customers or other people, there's not, not a better way than trying to speak to a stranger for a genuine reason. And that reason is like, I need advice on this, can I talk to you? That's just selling yourself, you know. That's, people are afraid to do that. People are thinking social media is this kind of panacea. Like there's nothing wrong with putting in an email, as you say, or making a phone call or asking a fella to refer you. Mm-hmm. Um, Generally what you find in this country anyway is... So any of these business people are SMEs that's out and about and they're actually trading at the moment. They're normally pretty good at what they do. Well, not, not normally, but sometimes they're, they're pretty good at what they do. You know, they might, you know, be a great builder or they might be brilliant at selling wine or they might be brilliant at, at selling boxes of crisps or they might be brilliant at selling real estate. It doesn't really matter. But but what back to what's taking us back to the start of the conversation, what 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 uh, the common denominator with them all is that they don't spend enough time in the back office. How's the weekly sales going? What's the accounts? What's my overheads like? You know, that type of thing. So they don't have back to an understanding of uh, the money and the finance. And they don't, uh, all they're really concerned about is sell, 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 sell. So that is a huge, huge problem that I think is easily solved. The other issue that, that you find with, in business, because not, not everybody is, is, is selling, you know, people are, are doing loads of different stuff. But, but I believe that, that, that everybody actually is in sales. So, you know, it's, it's very, very important. For me, I've always, whenever I step and get dressed in the morning, once you step outside the front door, you know, you're in sales because you're always talking to people, be it a bank, customer, uh, client, whatever it is, you're always selling yourself as a person and then the company you're representing all the time, whether you're at mass or you're at football or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I'll maybe, if we're, I think we're closing soon, I think with, with a, a bit of advice that, that is ingrained in me that anybody who knows me might disagree with, but I've always made an effort to present myself quite well in terms of you know, my presentation and by dressing well and looking the part and trying to make an effort there, an extra effort. And and it goes back to, you know, being fortunate to do some work with a lot of very successful people, which I would put down to a lot of the experience that I've been able to gather up, thankfully, to the people that I work with. But one of the guys was was um, a well-known boxing promoter and... Um, he, had, uh, he was in the bookmaking game and, and he was from my own hometown. Um, it was a guy called Barney Eastwood. And I, I met Mr Eastwood one, one uh, evening down in down Royal. 
he was uh, he was with his son who I've been uh, fortunate enough to work with as well, and there was a crowd in there. But I always wanted to have a chat with this guy because he's he's done exceptionally well. He's one of the most successful businessmen in the country for the last fifty years, and um, obviously he's from my hometown, as I said. So I said to him, Mister Eastwood, you know, I'm a young guy from Cookstown, uh, up and coming here, and I would love just one wee piece of advice, you know, for somebody like myself, like that I, I could I could learn from. And he looked at me, he was sort of sitting with a glass of red wine, like, and he sort of looked at me um, for a few seconds, and then he said, okay, son, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you one piece of advice that, that, that I think is very important. He says, son, it's not important, or it's not a sin, to be skint, but it is a sin to look skint. And I was looking at this guy who's made all this money going, Right, run that out again there. That's unbelievable. So if you didn't get that, if you're waiting for this big Eureka, big, you know, great piece of advice, what he was saying to me was, it's not a sin to be skint, to have no money, but it is a sin to look skint. Always look your best. Always present yourself. Be on top of your game. It's half the battle. That's what he was really saying. Mm -hmm. And that... Is something that I've tried to take into my own business in the last 10 years. You know, I just think it's really important that you turn up on time, that you're really well turned out, you're presented. It's half the battle. It's all about perception. Life is about perception. Business is about perception. Politics is about perception. New ideas. Everything is about perception. How are they perceived? So if you're meeting an investor, or you're meeting a bank, or you're meeting a new woman, or you're meeting anybody, you know, you have one opportunity to, to impress this person. Um, and for me, that's something that I do. You actually try and you might disagree with me, but I, I, and some others might disagree. But I do try and make an effort in the old, you know, presentation skills and, and how I present myself and, and how I talk to people. And I think that has stood me in good stead because people would tend to comment. And you know, it's all about being professional. Like I, I'm very, very proud of the fact that I am the church there, that I did the work to get my professional qualifications. Um, so you know that's something that I, that I think has, has stood me in good stead. I I I just go back on that myself. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, meet Barney Eastwood last summer, and I think he's what eighty something now. Mm -hmm. uh, he talks out. He just talks out like a legend. Like mm -hmm. he's just Sunday afternoon watching the Cork and Kerry game, mm -hmm. and uh, he just looks. He looks the part still. You you're expecting him to go on an interview. Parkinson's going to interview him. He's a, he's just ready for business every single time, and he's a, he's a, definitely a very successful guy. Just just to go back, some sorry sorry Connor, one thing there. So like the the advice that you're throwing out here, I want to underline again because it's really important that. You know, we are 48 minutes into a conversation that I've really enjoyed and uh, I'm hoping that the people that have stayed this long will, will be really keen to get the takeaway stuff. And the takeaway stuff for me is um, speak to the right people. Be Well, yeah, okay, so speak to the right people. Manage your systems and your back office and become very familiar with the idiosyncrasies of money and become educated in money because... It's okay to admit you're not, but it's a real shame to ignore the fact that you are. Um, and then the idea that everyone is in sales, um, you know, that speaks right into into what I'm trying to do and trying to achieve with all this and the training programs that I run. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about with people is about creating an environment where every single touch point can sell up. So, you know, mm -hmm. those are the, those are the things that I think are... Are universal, and I think they cross. You know, the whole world. The world is becoming this startup thing. You know, everybody talks about startups, and 
the SMEs and the larger enterprises and the one-man bands. I think anybody that's successful can embrace those three things. It doesn't have to be just the startups. Yeah, if 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 you if you the way I work on and 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 I generally am like this is I I do say this a lot to myself is how because really you know whatever business you're in you're supposed to be loving that and passionate about it that anyway, and how successful that business becomes it's going to be a testament to you as a person and your ability to create a good business. So for that to happen then, what I was going to say was, how do I become a better version of me? And that's really where this is, it's a bit spiritual, but where it comes down to, because the business isn't going to be successful on its own. It's going to be driven by you, the CEO or the owner or the business owner. And and the only way that the business is going to grow is, is, is if you grow. And how you grow, for me, then is down to you know, personal development, what books are you reading? Are you reading any books? If you're not reading books, I think you should be reading books. Who are you surrounded uh, by? You have to surround yourself with the right people. And for me personally, I have to with my business to make sure that I'm surrounded by the right professionals and the right team. So I have a very small number of people around me who keep me right and keep me focused and keep me balanced. Um, and then the very best people the very the most successful people like the Sean Quinns of this world, um, people like that who have been very very successful and built multi million pound businesses, all of those people do have an understanding of money and finance. The issue is that that's a small pool of people, and the challenge then is, if you're listening to this podcast, ask yourself the question: Do you really understand money and finance? And if you don't, give me a shout. Yeah, that's that's a. Uh... That's as good a line as, as I would want to finish on there because um, uh, Connor and I have spoken offside here. Just as a, as a, as a bit of background, as I would have spoken to Connor, uh, I think about 2007 when he was working, uh, or well, the la- certainly the last year he was working with BTW Shields. I was doing a mystery shop for a client who worked in the same space and I was ringing up uh, state agents in Belfast trying to find out uh, what deal I could broker for trying to flog a piece of land that was in my family. So I made up this case study and the case study was that I had a piece of land for hundred grand. I'm looking to flog it, but I'm also looking to buy something in your books. What would be the commission rates? So it was just a phone call and I rang everybody that's big in Belfast. So Lisney's and um, BTW, um, Ardmore, a whole lot of big players at the time. And I would say within a matter of three or four minutes, but on the phone call, 99% of them had brought their rates down from 1.25% to 0.5% and with a nod and a wink I could have got a bit more off them and my conversation with Connor was basically and I can remember the language he used right now um, because he was fit to say that we employ 75 people we're responsible for 10 billion pounds worth of assets and we have got three offices across the two islands why would I give you discount on that and you talk about your value proposition and the ability to sell um, so if you're listening to this and, and you're driving down the road um, home or into work or wherever you listen to it and think is there anybody in your office that's picking up the phone today that's coming out with the same value statement for your organisation because I know that having spoken to Keith Shields the week before I spoke to Connor that was exactly the remit that Keith had permeated through the business we have 75 people we need to pay them but we're good at what we do stand by your brand don't capitulate in a phone call small things that are that are really really important that, that, that's a good point and just to, to, to jump in very quickly I I I really don't believe on competing with people on price. And I think it's, it's a short-term mindset. I think it's a short-term business plan because ultimately at some point in time, somebody's going to undercut you. So you're never going to win. What it's I, a race to the bottom. What, what I would rather, 
focus on is what value are you adding? You know, what's the difference? You know, I, I for the way I sort of am at the minute is, you know, whatever, and this is a little bit extreme, but, you know, whatever everybody else is thinking and they suggest, and this is the way to do something, this is what we should charge. I, I tend to, to go in the direct opposite now. Um, I don't follow crowds. Um, I think it's important to be authentic and be unique and to stand uh, alongside the principles of, of your own business and, and your own brand value. So price for me, you know, it's not about price. And this is, this is important to finish in this point is that, you know, most business owners, SMEs that I've ever spoken to, generally, if they're getting involved with an accountant, it's all about the price. So they're trying to get them down, get them down, get them down. Here's something I want you to consider. Why don't, whatever price he gives you, tell him you'll double his fee. You'll actually double his fee if he does this, this and this. So you're actually giving, instead of going into a scenario where you're saying to this guy, I wanna, I want, you're too expensive, I want to cut you, I want to get the fee down, tell him you'll double the fee, but here's what I want to hit. Here's where I want the business to go. And that's, that's where you're flicking the switch. Um, because most people are fee-orientated, and if you go into the relationship looking for the cheapest, you'll get the cheapest. Will you get the best service? Absolutely not. So, I no, know. I think it's a, that's a very smart tip. If that's another thing, if you only take away one thing, and that is your um, KPN people um, putting putting something that gives you uh, that puts an action to the value, you know. So if you're able to say to them, okay, um, and that's why I, I try and differentiate myself as well as I can write reports all day, but I actually like to try and get involved. And make a difference at the at the at the business end of it, where, you know, do you impact sales, or do you just walk away leaving the training manual behind? Um, so listen, Connor, thanks very much. We're now running up to the end of this. this has been um, the second podcast for uh, the shift control big business ideas for startups and SMEs, and it's a fascinating space because I too would admit that I have an ignorance around the whole uh, area of money, and um, you know, when you sit back and think about it, you go into business to make money. So it's really important that you understand how to get there and um, certainly having good people around you that can add value to that and inspire you and help you think about it and make you more informed about those really, really key business decisions. So Conor, thanks very much for your time, man. I really enjoyed that. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chat with you again sometime on a few of those other business ideas you're working on. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, you'll find me on Twitter. Folks, if you want to have a look at what I'm up to, it's Connor underscore divine and actually just joined Snapchat there so get at it there and then have a look at our business as well as gdpni.com so always looking to hear from people and if you have any questions you want to get in touch with me I'm, I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of so Paul thanks for the opportunity it's a great platform it's great work you're doing and all the very best in the future with it. Good man thank you and uh, everybody just to um, you can find me on uh, shift-control.co.uk and follow me at uh, Twitter at shift control 66 so thanks very much for your time and your patience and uh, we'll catch up with you soon